Hello, I'm Gabby. Welcome to another episode of the Happier Life Project, brought to you by mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Mindfulness meditation is a practice that teaches you to slow down your thoughts, let go of negativity, and calm both your mind and your body. It combines meditation with the practice of mindfulness, which can be defined as a mental state that involves being focused on the presence. Techniques can vary, but in general, mindfulness meditation involves deep breathing and awareness of your body and your mind. Now, for me personally, I really struggle with this. I want to get to that place of tranquility with myself, but the traffic in my head often overrides and pulls me away from just being. And I know I'm not alone with this problem. So today on the show, we have a fantastic mindfulness meditation teacher who is going to dispel the misconceptions explain the science and meaning behind the practice, advise us on how to make the most out of mindfulness meditation, and please do stay until the end of this episode as he leads us through a gorgeous short practice that definitely did have me in a much calmer headspace. So should we meet him? Ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Welcome, Andrew Swinney, to the Happier Life Project, founder of Mind, and today we're talking all about mindfulness meditation. So thank you for being here, first of all. No worries. Thank you for having me. Uh, You've been practicing mindfulness meditation for the last 10 years. Your journey began when you were researching for some much-needed relief. You were suffering from severe anxiety. 10 years ago, you know, mindfulness meditation, never mind mindfulness meditation together, that was not so much of a thing. So how did you find it, especially when technology wasn't what it is today? So um, I actually started uh, kind of my journey by, I went to a a local, a class, sorry, my local town. That was my first kind of start into it. And and Ah, in person, in person yeah and and that was a kind of an interesting one because it was a mindfulness practice but it kind of combined a couple of other elements as well but what I got out of it was just a break from my anxiety just that felt like there was a real uh I don't know a pause from yeah my anxious thoughts but that was just a sort of a bit of a, a bit of a kickstart but what I wanted to find was something that could be more regular and something that could perhaps be quite short and also something more in the comfort of my own home. Because at that that moment, I really struggled to leave the house. Mm. I struggled to see people. I I really pushed myself to go to that class. So that was probably one thing. But for kind of like something that felt more regular, I actually started by using um, Headspace. Uh, And that was at the beginning Ah. of, yeah. (laughs) beginning of its time yeah um right and it was amazing because it was just gave me 10 minutes each day and so that that's how it started was that sort of put my headphones in sit in a comfortable chair and start with the introduction 
course or whatever it was at the time and then going into kind of a short practice that really helped me so did this happen from your first class so you were immediately hooked when you went to the in-person event and then you wanted to explore it more and then got on to like doing it you know digitally was it just the one in-person class that did it for you yeah I think it was a I think it was a little kickstart as sort of I said I think it just gave me I think probably if if I look back on it it was probably the fact that I wanted something to feel like I could calm my mind, my anxious thoughts and doing something like that. I got, I, I was recommended meditation. And so I, I just decided to think, well, look, you know, give it a go. It was quite a long session. I remember it was like a 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and actually I think I found my, if I remember correctly, I think I pretty much fell asleep in, in the session, which is kind of the opposite to mindfulness. But for the meditation itself and, and the concept of just sitting and being in that moment just allowed me just to have a bit of a pause, which was really important. So that it, I think it was like a little bit of a light kind of kick. And then I read a bit about it, uh, about sort of meditation and looked more into mindfulness meditation. And then that's when I started to, to, to do it, um, sort of listening to it. Mm. going back to this being in person for me personally in terms of practicing mindfulness or meditation and even yoga I do find in-person classes there's just something I don't know if it's the community or maybe it's being in the room with the teacher that I really find I could imagine myself being able to do an hour meditation in a class with a great instructor it, it seems easier to I think to get into the moment when you're in the room versus when you're at home and it's easy to get distracted yeah it's a, it's a really interesting one because I think when you're at home doing it with earphones on or whatever it might be you've got a generally like a guided session which is great but I think and this is what I've noticed with mind and all that is that having someone there and kind of the feedback I've been given quite a bit is actually about that it's about being there with somebody face to face giving a guided session but also quite an important part as well is being able to develop your practice to ask any questions at the end so that that's been an interesting response I I mean I think I was kind of fortunate maybe fortunate but I think I was motivated with it somehow through, through that way but I do feel that guided sessions have significant advantages I think in a way that can help create a habit it can help allow you to develop your practice as well by just you know asking questions which people may stop it's an opportunity in which people may stop after that practice because if they're not able to ask any questions and go oh my mind was whirring away and I was so busy and and you know oh you know I've got a little bit out of that but actually I'm not going to do it again but if you can ask those questions in the end and get some response that allows you to or want you know gives you a want to practice then I think that's that's really important as well really good point I suppose on the flip side um, and you said on your website that you started initially practicing for 10 minutes a day and you wouldn't make the effort to go to an in-person class to do 10 minutes a day and that's I suppose when it can become a habit a daily practice um, everybody can set aside 10 minutes you noticed a positive change quite quickly what happened what did you notice I suppose what I just started to I just started to notice that there was a bit more of a 
I paused from my thoughts. So when I was being able to step back for a moment, and that was a really important part, was that when I just noticed that happening and noticing that thoughts are thoughts and they can't harm me. And when I was able to kind of notice that a bit more and through my practice, and that's what mindfulness, you know, especially even just a short 10 minutes as you kind of go through, you know, each week, was that that became even more obvious. Um, And so I think once I was able to establish that and see that and then bring it back down to, you know, the focus point, then I think that was kind of where I saw the, the change and saw, right, this is helping. This is this is happening. This is great. That was a big part. So then how did you continue to grow your practice and then decide that this is something that you wanted to do to to teach and to help others? By growing it, it kind of just became a habit. I think I, I moved it on to about 15 minutes and, and when I could, I moved it on to perhaps about 20. So I think developing it probably was just due perhaps just with length of time. And it didn't actually really play a part, part of my life, um, play a part of my life until probably about what seven or eight years later, where I um started introducing mindfulness. I was, I was a teacher uh in a school and I just started introducing mindfulness uh to children. And that was the that was the turning point where I wanted to turn my passion and enjoyment of mindfulness into actually something that was more. And before we go into that, I'm curious, going from 10 minutes a day to 15 minutes a day and then 20 minutes a day, did you do that because you just loved that carved out time for you and it made you feel so much better? Did you extend it more because the after effects were longer if you practiced for longer? Yeah, it's an interesting one kind of yes and all of them really I think yeah you 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 notice when you're kind of you're feeling the benefits even throughout the practice that you kind of want to stay with it even longer so you you continue continue that practice itself and I had more time back then as well uh so it, it helped and yeah I mean if you know you notice people who do they do mindfulness retreats that you know you look at people who are able to add lots of a longer mindfulness practice in, into their day you will see more of the benefits if you're able to practice for longer periods of time. But it doesn't mean you can't still reap some of the incredible benefits you get from mindfulness from just doing shorter practices. And also, it's much better to be doing, I believe, 10 to 15 minute practices each day rather than for some people perhaps doing what two hours of mindfulness a week, if that makes sense. It's kind of like a... Right. For, for me, that just, it made sense to do it more of a kind of, to create that habit, which is it's just so important with mindfulness okay well let's touch upon your company mind um Mm. so this came into fruition because you were a school teacher and is this well is this how the sort of the the idea was born because you started integrating it into school and Mm. then you took it from there and I believe you work with businesses now and offices as well yeah so it, it started during the pandemic and um, I started to introduce meditation classes in the morning. So, you know, I started to see that, first of all, staff well-being was shot <laughs> uh, and children's well-being mm-hmm. was really, was really, yeah, it was, it was, it was not good at all. Um, and you had no. kids turning up 
for form time in the morning, screens are blank, you know, things like that where, you know, they don't want to be seen. You know, it, it just wasn't in a good place. And I thought, well, look, I practice mindfulness. I can see the benefits of it. Let's bring it in for like a 10 minute session, uh, two or three times a week. And then from there, I actually did my first course, which was with a company called Mindfulness and Schools Project. That's when it kind of really started to like, you know, roll with the fact that that's what I wanted to do because the, the course itself made mindfulness for children incredibly relevant incredibly interesting and then I just started to introduce that as well during the remote learning and, and kids seem to really enjoy it. I mean trying to hold a child's attention at the best of times is quite challenging you know yourself being a teacher so what was the reaction like of you know they're used to seeing you in leading them in one way and then here you are doing something very different in a holistic way where I just feel like kids are getting more and more distracted because they're bombarded with technology mm-hmm. and with the, the swipe generation, right? Yeah. So attention span is very short. Mm. Yeah, it, I, I think it's an interesting point. Like I said, I think what was lucky was the was the relevance of this course. So it, it talked a lot about like role models. So, you know, the amount of celebrities or people that do it now in their life was able to really connect with a lot of the children and and just also kind of like starting to get children engaged with the mind and and how it works and kind of a bit the science behind it as well and I think like anything with children from being a teacher as well is like get onto the practical stuff because once you get into the practical stuff as much as possible (laughs) that's when the majority of them engage that's amazing well, let's start at the very simplest level of the uh, the theme of today's episode. Mm. What is mindfulness meditation? How does it work? So I think in the simplest form, I, I kind of describe it as this. So physically, we're always here, but our mind a lot of the time is even the future or the past. And mindfulness is allowing our mind like our body to be in the present moment. I think another lovely way of describing it is actually through uh, the kind of founder of mindfulness who is professor john kabat-zinn he brought it across from um, buddhist traditions and um, scientific findings and he describes it as being alive and knowing it so that doesn't have to be specifically a formal practice it can be out going for a walk and you're noticing the sound of the birds and the trees or the sensation of your feet on the floor when we eat you know, noticing, noticing the taste of our food. You know, we might notice the first mouthful, but it's gone. We've been lost in thought or on our phone, whatever it might be. Same with drinking, same with cooking, same with listening. There's so many aspects of mindfulness that can be just simply put into our lives. And it's very much down to choice. So it's quite sensory. Yeah, it is, a lot of it is. So the main kind of, I think we're looking at the main kind of anchor points, as you kind of call them, um, are like, the, the grounding sensation of the feet the breath you do body scan practices you're looking through the body but there's also you, you're then using your hearing your smell your taste you, yeah there's a lot that goes into which is kind of like the sensory element yeah yeah we're all familiar with you know it's, it's especially since the pandemic mindfulness and meditation is two words that get used a lot so when you're putting the two together like you're saying with mindfulness it's about observation and sensory and and then we know like meditation is to get you in this kind of state of zen so how would you kind of summarize what mindfulness meditation is together yeah so i think the interesting thing is is like I kind of look at it as being like mindfulness is like if you have an umbrella 
Uh, and at the top of the umbrella is mindfulness. And then the spokes, I think you call them, or the tips of the umbrella, are you, you've then got meditation being one. You then can have walking, eating, drinking, listening. They can be all different ones. Now, the meditation part itself is kind of more of a, I probably see it as, as a sort of more of a formal practice perhaps so that being a sitting breathing practice or like I said a body scan mm -hmm. practice it's more of like if I'm sitting right now and we're doing a practice it's kind of being in that state for perhaps you know five ten fifteen minutes uh, and the other the other little mm -hmm. spokes and tips could probably be seen more as like mindful moments but the meditation part is more kind of just being you know in that in the here and now for perhaps a longer period of time so what are the, some of the, the big benefits that we can experience by making mindfulness meditation a, a habit? Yeah, so um, I'd say like the, the, the biggest benefits are uh, reduce stress and anxiety, improve focus and productivity. It can help improve our decision making, confidence, resilience. Uh, it can also help. It can really significantly help our sleep as well. Uh, when our mind is whirring away, perhaps like two or three in the morning, like if we're able to practice mindfulness prior or even can do a session effectively there in bed, uh, that can really help. And then also the, there's been big studies on pain and also mild depression as well. So it's interesting because actual evidence papers, I think there was just over 100 in 2010 on mindfulness. I think last year, I think it was, it was over 1,200 evidence paper in that single year about the benefits of mindfulness with with different areas so there are serious studies going on about how it can help in many different areas and how's your anxiety now how's mine so i still have anxiety but i think it's very much based on you know the difference between where i was 10 years ago to where i am now is is crazy it's, it's so different you know i struggled to leave the house i struggled to meet up with people i had such a difficult challenging situation and whereas now i'm able to manage it so it's a management tool. And I think, you know, that's a really important part of mindfulness. I think it's not a cure. It's none of these things. It's, it's a management process in which you can see and see your thoughts and it becomes bringing it back down to whatever the focus might be. And, and doing this on a regular basis is just going to become calmer and clearer and make and what for me helped me make my life feel more meaningful and purposeful, um, which is a big part mm. as well. I want to go back to some of those benefits you mentioned, mm. and I'd been sort of looking online as well, um, including self-control, objectivity, effect tolerance, enhanced flexibility, equanimity, mm. improved concentration and mental clarity, emotional intelligence, the ability to relate to, to others and oneself with kindness, acceptance and compassion. I mean, all of this sounds absolutely amazing, but I'm still, and I'm, and I'm saying this because I know I'm not the only one, and I've actually have had this chat with many of my friends, being still and being present, mm. how can that be so hugely transformational? Because I'm still quite, I've just not connected with it in the same way I have like my yoga, but I really yeah. want to, but I just find it really, really challenging to get into that place where I can quieten the mind. I think the important part is sort of in seeing it very much as as a skill that needs to be practiced. And I think to, to do that, you just need to be, you know, I think wary of. I think there's much perceived thought about sitting still and what's that what's that going to do for me? But it can only be seen from practice. 
So that might be that if we're talking about kindness, compassion, all of these things, they come from practice. And I think another thing is, is looking at it as with mindfulness, you learn to respond rather than react. So we were talking about compassion, kindness, all of these things. A lot of reactions come from those impulsive situations. And, mm-hmm. and that might be through, I don't know, an argument, let's just say. And someone has, you know, through friendships and you're just having a conversation, it turns into an argument, you snap back and it turns into a full-blown thing. What mindfulness can allow you to do is step back, notice and respond. So it allows you to, to come in with it with more empathy and, and more compassion. So you can kind of put some water on the fire from the argument by just responding in that way. So I think, you know, the only way anyone's going to probably be able to, to really see what mindfulness can bring is just through that practice element. I think like anything as well, it's about finding the right guide perhaps that can can sort of walk you through it and or talk you through it and get get you into that place. I mean, what to you makes a good mindfulness teacher? Okay, so if I can say this, then that helps because then it links with something else. But I started because Andy Puddicum found it. His voice during the meditations, I found incredibly calming and incredibly easy to understand. So for me, that's a really important part. So when I guide sessions, and I'm not not saying I'm the perfect guide at all, but what I try and make sure is that I I want to normalize my meditation and mindfulness specifically. You know, I think that that's a big part for me was to, to take away perhaps some of the spiritual element and making it more for a normal situation in people's lives so that that was important but also a voice that perhaps can a, a nice calm, calm voice I, I know exactly let's, what let's, you... let's put it like that yeah <laughs> it's funny you should say that because um I spent some time in America and um a couple of like like my friends I remember this conversation she we just triggered the memory that um, we were talking about like meditation and guides and uh, I can't even remember what the platform we were talking about at the time, but it was one where there was many different teachers, if you will. Mm. And um, we were just laughing at some of them. They were so like, they put echo on the voice and it's like, you're going into this thing. And it was so <laughs> fake and distracting. Yeah. And then, or if you've got a voice that, you know, my great shall we say on it's just yeah. that that is a huge that makes a lot of sense to me um yeah you do need a good I, voice <laughs> and I think it, I think it's that sort of yeah not actually again you don't need to change your voice you know I think that's a big one where I again similar to you so saying I remember a situation where I think it was a meditation class or, or something like that and she had the lady had a really lovely normal voice and then gone to the meditation and sort of went Ooh, like I think it's like it's like Dory from Finding the <laughs> you know, <laughs> up and down, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. you know, and I know the, the element of mindfulness just to notice in things, but I think when you're just learning it, and also it's it's time for you, you know, self care is important. You just want to be in a, in a nice calm state and with a nice calm guide. So that that's um, that that is important, I think. Yeah, yeah, not somebody who's like. I don't know, like trying to hypnotize you or something. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've come across that quite a lot. Okay, let's talk about the environment that we practice mm. in. 
what's the ideal environment? Because I know going back to your company, you go into schools and offices. And so it's not necessarily where you have to carve out a quiet sort of space in your own home, although that's probably the best scenario. Okay, so I'd probably say yes for, again, the kind of beginner, uh, for someone who's learning mindfulness. But again, an important part of mindfulness is, is that noticing element. So if you're able to do it on a train or a bus, on, an, on a bench in a busy street, um, a big part of it is actually the noticing the sound. So, you know, a big part of thinking is judgment. So when we're perhaps doing practice, you know, we're closing our eyes and we're noticing people talking or, you know, you can actually perhaps even notice the proper conversation that someone's ha- happening. And then what happens with that is that your mind goes on to a conversational thought itself, which is obviously something you can then notice and bring back down to your breath. So it actually can, in some respects, like enhance your practice by doing it in a busy environment. You know, you see that there's a really, really great YouTube, I think, video of um, a, a monk um, walking down a, a really, really busy street. And he's got, I think it's a um, singing bowl and he's just chiming it. Uh, and you've got all of these people rushing past him and he's just doing a meditation practice and it's just like a really interesting way of being like okay yes he's probably practicing it for a long long time but that's why i say i think in in the sort of simplest way is like if you're able to if you want to learn it and 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 do it for the first time an immersive environment you can find yeah quiet environment is 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 great but then you know do whatever once you start really getting the hang of it and and to build that habit is it is time of day important and the same time of day every day like as in you know when you brush your teeth in the morning and at night like is that recommended or do you just do it when you can or you feel inclined to um i would say like each person is obviously different when they can practice and when they prefer to practice practice it however i think habit is important it's like anything like if you're going to start any new regime up practice up you know it might be fitness it might be diet you know it's important you stick with habit but with mindfulness being a meditation yeah I, I would say try and stick with it morning and lunch times so are kind of like the best of the times for me um i, I prefer probably right. doing it like eight about eight in the morning it's a kind of a, that's just personal preference because what that allows you to do is is kind of sets yourself up really well for the day so um that that's my personal preference the afternoons what can happen with the afternoons i think a lot of the time is that we can start to really notice and feel tired so when we're doing a practice and we start to feel quite tired and it then you're then you can fall asleep and and actually that's that's not really what you want to be doing during practice you're starting to notice your thoughts and when you sort of fall asleep then the kind of the, the session's kind of over in itself so if you have time in the morning, yeah, if you have a lunch break or coffee break, I would, I would, I'd recommend that morning to lunchtime. That's really interesting because I would lean towards doing it at nighttime to calm myself down and my thoughts down to help me sleep better. But actually, maybe that's not the best time. Maybe that's why I struggle with it. Maybe I should try in the morning. Uh, and, and you're not the only one because I've I had this conversation with quite a few people who said, "Look, I've been doing my I've been doing mindfulness for you know I've been trying for quite a while. Um, I'm new to it, etc. And you know, and I'm like, what time do you do your practice? And, and normally when I get back from from work, and and 
that is a time when your body is wanting to rest it's wanting to you know it's had a busy day um, and with mindfulness you know obviously it can help calm the mind but what it can also do is really just put you into a sleep state which is when you can't really even focus you know on your thoughts you can bring it back down you're just <laughs> wanting to fall asleep effectively so doing it in the morning is what enables you to feel focused it's all these elements of focus and you know obviously with a calm way um feeling energized mm. that that's a kind of I, I would say that's the best time why do you think so many people struggle with mindfulness meditation i mean the chatty brain looping mm. thoughts ruminating the constant stream of stress they're all major hurdles that we have to i guess jump over to be able to get into this again peaceful calm present position mm. you got any advice on what we can do to to help with these obstacles in terms of quieting the mind, quieting the mind. yeah and okay. getting in because it's all about being present isn't it but that's I think that's the probably the number one challenge people approaching this come up against is like they're thinking about that argument they had with their mm. co-worker mm. um what are they going to make for tea for the kids or you know all these different things that their mind is I think the most important thing is mm. always going to practice with a non-striving mindset and a beginner's mind as well so every single time this is for the for the most advanced mindfulness practitioners is to always go in with beginner's mind because if you're already going in with a mindset of being like i want to be relaxed i want to be calmer you know i want to be you know more focused whatever it might be you're already starting at patterns that that pattern of thinking which is kind of you know only going to stop you getting as far as you want to in a practice and if you can go with a beginner's mind, then you're open to the situation, whatever arises in the mind. If you get caught up in thinking, just bring it back down uh, to the focus point. You know, it's but I would always just say the important part is to always go in with that approach um, and get much more out of it. Oh, that's such good advice. <laughs> Why is the breath and focusing on the breath so crucial when it comes to mindfulness meditation? Well, because the breath is always there, it's, you know, constantly present um, and, and the flow of our breath as well. Well, it's one of the easiest, easier things to concentrate on. You know, it's a movement in our body that we can just bring our attention to. And you have anchor points in your body during mindfulness practice and your breath is one, your feet are the other. But I think the breath is kind of always seen as, as, as the more popular one, I say, just because of its movement. Uh, acceptance for yourself for a situation for how you feel about others this is obviously the dream can mindfulness meditation really bring us to that place uh you know yes <laughs> in some respects yeah I, I think you know is it a loaded question it's quite a big one it's a big one to think about but i think if you look at probably from many you know expert practitioners around the world and you know you look at people who can sort of see it in a different light that yeah there'd be a lot more peace and harmony because again I think I talked about that slight sort of well, what, what the benefits bring with it that compassion that kindness that 
element of understanding with empathy you know this is what all comes from practicing mindfulness so if everyone's got bundles of that then they're going to feel better about themselves which in turn is going to make the world a better place as well so yeah I'd, I'd like to say it would bring more peace to the world for sure um it's just building that habit in Mm. Well, a good place to start is by going to the My Possible Self app because you've recorded some videos um, for us. The themes you cover include managing anxiety and stress, focus and productivity, confidence, resilience and sleep. Mm. So that's a pretty good place to start. But we'll um, we'll plug your business too because I've noticed that you can join your website mm. and then you offer, I'm sure, a whole bank more mm. practices and exercises. Mm. So that's www.mind, spell M-Y-N-D.uk. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I think to uh, to wrap this up, let's practice what you preach. You're going to take us through a short mindfulness meditation exercise right now. Absolutely. So I think the most important part is always when we're doing a practice is to get yourself into a comfortable position. Um, so if we are doing the sitting, just making sure your posture is nice and straight. And if you're lying down and obviously just making sure that you, you, you've got a cushion behind your head. So it can be done in any sort of position. I'm going to be doing a sitting. I normally do do it sitting because it just allows me to straighten my body more. Eyes opened or closed? Yeah. So that again, you can either lower your gaze or you can close your eyes. Um, I close my eyes during it just because um, it allows me to just to focus uh, more on on my anchor point but what we're just going to do is we're just going to start the practice uh, either with your eyes closed or lowering your gaze i'm just going to start by bringing your attention to sensation of your feet on the floor so just noticing the sensation of your feet pressed even inside your shoes perhaps directly onto the floor itself. Now I invite you to bring your attention up towards the sensation of the breath in the stomach area. You're not trying to change the rhythm of your breath. Just noticing a natural inhalation and exhalation of the breath. You may notice it more in the lower part of the stomach area, or perhaps more up towards your chest. Wherever you feel it the most, just bringing your attention to that area. If your mind wanders off into thinking, and that's absolutely fine. That's what minds like to do. They like to wander. But just notice that your mind has been caught up in thinking and gently bring your attention back down to the sensation of the breath.
letting thoughts come and go like clouds in the sky. But if you just notice that your mind has been caught up in a thought, trying to resist or hold on to the thought itself, but just notice, and in that moment, letting go and bringing your attention back down to the inhalation and exhalation of the breath. to bring your attention back down to your feet. The grounding sensation, probably with the soles of your feet or perhaps the heels of your feet pressed against the floor. Bring your attention to the sensation of your body on the seat, on the floor. Perhaps noticing the weight of your body pressed on the seat or floor. Maybe noticing more on one side than the other. And perhaps exactly the same on both sides. Just noticing the pressure. And then just bringing your attention to your hands and your arms. Perhaps just noticing where these are placed at this moment. And when you're ready, just going to open your eyes or bring your gaze back up into the space, taking your time to do so. Just perhaps having a light stretch if you feel like doing so as well. Thank you. I didn't want to open my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the time of day <laughs> yeah 
Oh, that was amazing. Thank you. That was a very short one. And I think what I was trying to sort of say as well is that the great thing about mindfulness more than anything is the fact that you don't need to get changed for it. <laughs> uh, I love yoga and all those other things, but the great thing is you can just do it sitting where you are in that moment and bring your attention to your feet, your breath. Yeah. Um, and that real importance of just noticing when your mind has been caught up in thinking to then just very gently bring your attention back down yeah. to wherever it may be. You know, I think just you switching my perception of going with no agenda, not like I'm doing this because I need to feel better about this situation or because I'm really stressed or I really enjoyed that. And I felt like I could have gone on a lot longer. So um, are there, <laughs> oh, are there lots of audio exercises on your website? Because I'm thinking of signing up after this mm cool <laughs> yeah yeah there are so there's lots there's um i think there's up to about seven hours of audio and video content so wow. um there's differences between uh time of day something there's like a morning evening and lunch one and there's also timed one so there's, there's a five minute 10 minute 15 minute uh session i think goes on to about half an hour session so um there are lots of different content mm. on there as well and that's www.mindmynd.uk that's it. And of course, you can see your face on the My Possible Self app doing video <laughs> guides. Yeah. Andrew, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for today. Really appreciate it. No worries. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Gabby. Hello, it's Gabby back with you. How do you feel after doing that short exercise? It definitely made me feel a lot better. So thank you for making it through to the end of another episode of the Happier Life Project. And thanks again to Andrew Swinney for teaching us all about mindfulness meditation. Now, if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. Those of you who are listening to this on one of the podcast platforms and haven't got the My Possible Self app, if you do choose to download it, it is completely free of charge, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self on Instagram and Twitter, and I've been at Radio Gabby. So please do take care and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.